0: Welcome to this episode of A Facilitator's Journey. This is Kirsty and today I'm joined by Mark Davis. Mark is in the space of negotiation and we have a conversation today all about what are the skills, the behaviours that we as solopreneurs, facilitators, trainers, small business owners can use when we're faced with a negotiation. I want to be really clear, a negotiation rarely happens in our space. I think i've had three in 10 years and mark said himself he's only had a handful however the prospect of a negotiation of potentially sitting across a table from someone in purchasing for me makes me really nervous so it's really important that i am prepared and ready for those conversations so today mark and i talked about what is it we can do to get ourselves prepared to be ready to be successful and have a win-win, so it works both sides of the conversation, both for you and your client. So join me as we dive into the world of negotiation skills. So, Mark, welcome to a facilitator's journey. How are you today?
1: Yeah, very good, Kirsty. Great to be with you. Um, it's uh, it's a beautiful, fresh, clear day here in Birminghamshire. So we're yeah, Birmingham we're doing Shire. well. cool. So-
0: So um, today's conversation is all going to be about the art of selling and negotiating. Um, One of the first questions I always ask my guests is, how do we know one another? How do we meet?
1: So we met many moons ago when um, I didn't have this beard and it wasn't this gray. Um, I'll say that, speaking for myself. As you know, uh, but for those uh, watching and listening who don't, um, I was at a a global consultancy specializing in negotiation training. And uh, you and your team, your people um, at that time, very, very generously tried to herd and shepherd us into learning some new stuff and reflecting a little bit more deeply, um, uh, which I loved, um, and I'll I'll say that much, but it was an interesting uh, experience for you, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, well, we had a week in Sorrento, so I was we quietly, did. I was quietly happy. It was definitely an experience. We would repeat it, but with differences, I think. Uh, and it was interesting <laughs> to work with the group. So, yeah, that's how yes. we connected in the first place, and then yes, have we stayed did. In we each, did. stayed in each other's orbits ever since.
1: We have no, I I, I loved it, and uh, your approach and style, like you know, appealed to me. And yes, you know, Sorrento was lovely. Not bad sailor as well, as I remember, if I remember rightly. Did you go have a yeah. go at that? Yeah, you go. yeah,
0: we did. We had a good time sailing. Oh, good memory. <laughs> so today, selling and negotiating. So the reason I really wanted to explore this topic is when I talk to other people who own their own businesses in facilitation mm. and training, one of the areas that can feel sticky for them is like, how do I how do I sell myself to my clients? And what does that even mean? And then secondly, like, what do you do when you negotiate? And and I forget that this is a mm. thing because like you, I come from a commercial background. So when I worked for Diageo, I was in sales. I had multiple trainings on how to sell and then how to negotiate. So it's almost in the blood. And yeah. therefore, it's. I feel like it's a I I forget what a gift it is when I'm in these situations now. So what I'd love to do for today's conversation is share with people what is selling, what is negotiating, and also put on the table, especially around negotiation, like some ideas and some tips about what we can be doing when we are potentially faced with a negotiation.
1: Yeah, that sounds good to me. And I also, you know, thoroughly empathize with that, you know, as a, you know, kind of a lawyer by by training, you're, you're just, right, sell your ideas, you know, se- if you're selling it to the client, to a customer, to, you know, and then, yeah, the negotiation, the debate, um, part of it. Um, yeah. But um, yes, for those, okay. yeah, for those who aren't so sure, um, no, it's good. Sorry, go on.
0: Well, I was going to say, what is the difference between selling and negotiating?
1: Um, it's a good question. And it's one that I ask <clears throat> people relatively early on um, when I'm doing training, uh, because I think instinctively people think they know the, what, what, what what they are um, and they feel that they're doing them. But if you were to ask people for a definition and you just leave the question out there, it's incredible how long people do take to 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 answer. So for me, selling is about behaving in a way that creates the necessary demand in the other person to want to go ahead and buy your service. So if you're a a solopreneur facilitator, you know, what you're doing is you're, you're using behaviors, skills, interaction, um, to ensure that you can get to the point where, right. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk money. So selling is about creating the demand for your service. Negotiation is a different but overlapping set of skills that you utilise in order to agree the terms of that sale.
0: Yeah,
1: I say so. And yeah, I mean that. That for me, I don't know whether you want to add anything to that, but that for yeah. me has always been the, the foundational kind of starting point. And then I'm happy to to you know give examples if you think we need to. So, um, for me,
0: selling comes first. If you can't, if you haven't sold the idea, the concept, the product, the service, you can't negotiate. Um, So so you you need to have something to negotiate on. Um, I think you need to be aware that selling is not just about the financial number, that you are selling elements and proponents and parts of a proposal. It's not just about the cash. So I think that's something important to consider. Yeah, definitely. And, and then a negotiation sometimes happens and sometimes it does not. Let's be also very clear. I mean, realistically, you and I have both been running our own businesses now um, for a number of years. How many true negotiations have you had in that time?
1: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Yeah, I, uh, gosh. Yeah, a handful. Not many exactly. that I can, think of. Yeah, I can think of. I've had one. One I can think
0: of. What I have had, though, Mark, are objections that I've needed to overcome. And I still see objection handling as um, a skill when it comes to selling. And how do you handle an objection? So for those of you who are thinking, what does she mean? An objection can sound like, I really like the idea. However, this, Mm -hmm. this and this doesn't quite work for me. However is a posh but. Um, Or... (laughs) Or you hear, uh, uh, no, we can't do this because of these reasons. Actually, when you hear the no, that is still potentially a yes, because they have told you why they can't do something. So you can then inquire. But we can come to that a bit later. But I think it's more about objection handling. Um, So let's talk about selling first. Quick one. What is some of the language of selling? When we're selling something like what is what are we doing? how do we do it?
1: Yes, what is the language of selling? I think the the language of selling is the words that you use that that justify, explain, convince, rationalize with the other person as to why those objections either aren't as big an obstacle as as they feel feel or fear there might be, um, or they reaffirm how and why you will overcome them, because what the person's looking for, obviously, is a, is a net gain in engaging with you as opposed to either not engaging with you at all or or, or utilising the services of, of somebody else. Yeah. So you're, what you're trying to, to do, you know, is follow, I believe, a more question-based approach to a conversation um and and primarily being led by wanting to gather insight because i, th- I think the other thing to acknowledge Kirsty, is even if even for them to be on the phone with you in in a room with you on the call with you you've already achieved a certain you know l- latent level of interest yeah um so i i you know that usually we're already selling something or another version of something that already exists or that the person's already aware of.
0: Absolutely and I think you you just said something there Um, it's a question-based approach so I want to be I'd like to really encourage people if you're asked to go into a conversation with a a potential client and even if they were use the word pitch please don't dive into creating a really big PowerPoint deck. (laughs) Yeah. Please spend the time thinking what is the outcome I want to achieve from this conversation and what are the questions I need to ask and if you just write those those a page of questions open questions not closed to seek understanding to understand what it is the client is wanting that is going to be way more beneficial than turning up with a slide deck and showing them what you've done in the past because actually they want to know how you can solve a problem for them that, that's yeah. my perception, and that's how I've always operated.
1: Totally, um, totally. I, I, I echo that completely. You know, you can dive in, and you can have all the, the stats and the data and the numbers, but, you know, you, you without even knowing it, you could be doing yourself a complete disservice yeah. because they have n- you've no idea. And actually, that act in and of itself, to be so assumptive, um, will probably distance yourself, distance you from them, or have them distance themselves from yeah. you. Uh, right from the get-go you know, there's nothing worse than that
0: absolutely and I think yeah. in that initial couple of conversations you're having with someone is you're asking the questions to understand their needs their wants their desires so that you can then propose a solution or propose some ideas of how yeah. what you could do to help them I think that's the first yeah. thing
1: yeah so Spot on.
0: let's fast forward let's imagine you have been invited to write a proposal and for a particular series of workshops. And they've come back to you and said, yes, Mark, uh, all of that sounds really interesting, except dot, 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 around price or around the the recommendations that you're making. Um, Or even more extreme, we need you to go and talk to purchasing. Because of the value of this proposal. You could argue as soon as purchasing get involved, it can feel like a negotiation because of what they represent. yes. um, So for those who haven't had the joys of working with purchasing, (laughs) uh, I find purchasing get involved when the value of the piece of work is over a certain number. And it's often for certain companies over the £100,000 mark. That's when I've noticed it. It can be 50K Mm. in other instances. What's it like to deal with purchasing from your perspective?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is uh, well done. Like to get to that, whoever, you know, if you get to that stage, sort of take it as a, oh, right, well, you know, again, Thinking, everything, thinking about everything from their perspective, well, clearly it's relevant enough that um, I'm now speaking to purchasing. So if you've got that far, you've probably done a pretty good job um, in selling. To answer the, the first bit of, of the question, um, it, you know, when you get those objections, and, and this probably applies to purchasing anyway, the thing that I sometimes ask myself, um, uh, but certainly and with purchasing, you know, I asked the question, you know, under what circumstances are we going to be able to get this over the line? Like, open question. The, you know, you've, there's an ocean of opportunity there for them to put an extre- as an extreme a set of terms to you um, as they see fit or as advantageous as the terms um, as they see fit. And to me, um, it's all about the opportunity to to understand, you know, what that needs yeah. to look like and then as that facilitator as that you know coach it's, it's then down to you to decide you know how much of that delta you want to close or need to yeah um but as one simple tip you know that, that kind of works generically um in any given circumstance you know open up the conversation and actually put it back on them i'm here i've given you what i can do right well let's let's throw yeah. it back to you
0: so well stay with that example let's just get um a definition of negotiation out there. So uh, what do we think? Actually, maybe not the definition. What are some of the skills we're gonna need in this negotiation and behaviors to help us talk to this person
1: in purchasing? So I think firstly, um, you know, again, making the assumption we've switched into a mode of negotiation as opposed to selling. I think um, overall I would encourage people to reflect on their behavior when they've when they've done the selling bit and then they move into the negotiation bit you know accepting that there's some fluidity but often what i have found with people especially if it's your own thing and you're very close to it maybe emotionally there's a lot of a lot of emotion behind the sell the pitch and then when you get to the negotiation um you've got to try and maintain that consistency. You know, if you don't believe in the product or the service um, that you're you're offering, um, they're certainly not going to. Um, but what I mean by consistency in behavior is people do pick up on those nuances of nonverbal and verbal signals. And if once you've got through the sales, the sales part, you know, you then come up against purchasing and it's very clear that you're feeling intimidated um, or your beh- behaviours change, you're more defensive, whatever it might be, um, I think that does undermine all the great work you've done in selling to get there. So it's about mm-hmm. maintaining consistency. You know, you are. no one knows any more than you do in your field of expertise, and they're considering your expertise because they're speaking to you. So, yeah. you know, what's got you this far clearly has worked. Yes. Um, when we think about um, negotiations, sort of tips and, and approaches, um, you've then got to be more mindful. We talked about questioning and then getting insight being key and selling. I think then once you've got parameters with which you're working uh, and, and it's clear, you then move into negotiation and you're then testing and stress testing the relative mm. value of those parameters. And so there may be statements that you would make in a negotiation that might be questions in a cell, you know. Would you be willing to agree to terms of X? Um, well, my terms are going to be terms of Y. What does that mean for how you might want to proceed? Yeah. So you're making statements alongside questions. Yeah. Um, I do think also being brave enough, um, if you haven't already, um, to restate your your position, because sometimes again purchasing, if we think about that as a tactic, um, it is a tactic. It is it is them attempting to reset. And often my experience is purchasing go, sorry, who, you know, I'll be, I'll be, you know, slightly caricature, but sorry, where are you from? Who are? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I'm with you now. Right. Okay. Don't know what's been said, but our process is bang, 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 bang. And they, it's as though the, the whole last two weeks, two months, two years, you know, never happened. Yeah. Um, And so I think being very, very clear on how you communicate with that individual or individuals um, in restating your position. Yeah, um, is hugely um, hugely powerful. So, um, but I'll take a, I'll take a moment there because I'm sure there's lots to unpack out of that.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I've just realised, sorry, listeners, I've done something really classic. It's like, how do we know we're moving into negotiation after <laughs> from selling? Like, I suddenly realised. Sorry, I've just jumped. Like, what, yeah. What's the segue?
1: Um, what is the segue? I think once you get into a place where you and this, again, is, is horses for courses. But I think once you've got to a place where you are as prepared with the information and insight as you as you can reasonably be, and one caveat I'll put out there for, for your listeners and viewers is nothing means anything in this world without a timeline. So whether you take ownership of it or they do, there isn't really a sell or negotiation unless there's a, a time horizon that's been established, even if it's just internally for you, because that's is what ignites the will to act on their side and and for you. Okay. Um, so I, I put that out there. Um, I think when, the negotiation commences once you um, anchor your perspective on all of the variables that are at play, and you know the, the proverbial sort of starting point. You know is okay, well, thank you know taking taking the hypothetical you know great to be with you in front of in you know with you here you know and and purchasing her uh, on the call um so to restate where I understand we are at is that the following would apply for the course of the contract um with these terms this cadence et cetera et cetera et cetera
0: i i think, I think it's even before then though so i think the think? client yeah before i think the client have said to you. We want you to do what we want you to do. Right. yeah. Posh, but, however, the terms that you want to do it on don't work for us. They would never say it like that. They'd just be like a pushback. Yeah. And then you, you would probably seek to understand what that pushback is. And then what you may get to is this, this point where you're like, like, these are my terms. Of what Mm. I've recommended from a a price, a number of workshops, um, the ingredients that I'm going to put forward. Mm -hmm. But then the client says, I'm interested. I want that. But there's some things that aren't working for me. And even if you try to overcome the objection, I still can't come to an agreement. So There is the arena, whatever you want to call it. There is the gap. That, for me, is when, right, okay, you still want it, but we need to now get into the nitty-gritty and into the detail.
1: Yeah, yeah, that and me that's, that's good.
0: Signals, oh, okay, we've moved into a different phase. And it can be triggered, as we said, like purchasing Sunny rock up because, because of that's how the individuals work. So I think for listeners, if you find yourself in that situation, you want to understand what their perspective is so what are they saying yes to what are they saying no to and almost tick it off on your proposal and then you can identify okay it's these three things that we're still stuck on that we need to work through and it can be a price and the financials but it could be other variables as well it could be timeline it could be um what you are creating in terms of the content um, it could be the number of people attending a workshop for a certain price. So it's for me that's where the the conversation of negotiation starts.
1: Yeah, and I I would um uh, you, you you saying that and in me acknowledging yeah I think you're you're right um, it is even before you get to that stage because again it's so it crazy isn't it, how instinctive it is there's so many yeah. assumptions made to get to the what I was what I was talking about I think in in the mind of the person that you're dealing with, you've got to be as clear as you can that you feel that the need for your service has been established in their minds. Yeah. And if you're at that point, okay, well then let's, let's see how we can, we can realize yeah. that situation. So um, because I think one of the, one of the things, sorry, the last thing, one of the things I think is, is linked to that. And we may come on to this is, if you're not sure what, as a facilitator or a coach or trainer, what pain point it is that you're solving, you know, even before you sort of speak to someone, you know, then you're you're also not going to know when you've arrived at the point of, of a sale being made because, yeah. you know, you've got to be really clear on, on the solution it, that you're offering in the first instance. And then it, it is often for them to decide, you know, it's never going to be 100% of what i need but is it you know is yeah. if 70 is the threshold do you reach that is it so you know that's that's anything
0: you add. discover the pain point through your questioning in those initial right conversations you have to ask yeah. questions you can't make assumptions so let's go back to our fictitious situation i know i've got to go into a negotiation what do i prepare before i go you need to do some preparation you cannot wing this people there is a bit of preparation and forethought that's required. What are some of the things you encourage people to think about and prepare?
1: Um, I, uh, firstly, as I've mentioned, you know, um, uh, a timeline, and and I would I would even go back a step, you know, you know what you know, and so focusing on yourself too much in the preparation, I think, is also it's it's a natural instinct, you know, the number I need, the number of workshops, you know, when I need them acknowledging all of that you know the preparation really is in testing the the assumptions the biases the perspectives that you think they have about the value proposition that you're bringing Um, so firstly for me again nothing means anything without a timeline so you want to establish you know as a as big as probably the biggest lever in negotiation you know how is and if will time be a factor not only Mm -hmm. for when the the negotiation or the work, you know, will, um, you know, uh, will commence, you know, but the cadence of it, you know, the time of year, all these sorts of things factor in uh, Mm -hmm. to time. And I've listed quite a few there that actually have a lot of depth behind them. Uh, The second thing that I would, um, I encourage, you know, it is about knowing um, the actors as in the the people involved. Um, And what do I mean by that? I think, you know, who they are as individuals, the personalities, um, but just as importantly, do you have a, a sense of what type of culture they operate in? Um, and one example of of this that um, uh, I mean is, so I once um, did some consulting work for someone and they were dealing with a, a family-owned um, travel travel retail business. And one of the things that, we did to help them unlock the extra value potential was realized that due to the nature and culture of that organization, addressing the founder and and CEO directly was actually um, undermining their ability to um, to get the deal over the line. They thought they saw it as respectful to engage with this person directly and try and approach these issues. Um, but culturally, they, they did not want to be engaged with directly, you know, publicly in, in the meeting in order to have to negotiate, they you know, again, no, no judgment on it. That's how they want to do it. So think about the culture, who, who is it that we are going to be engaging with and who are the figures that have the authority, who are the figures that have the influence, um, over the decision makers, because that allows you also to hone how you focus your time Absolutely. and energy, you know, um, and I suppose to, to round it out with, um, a third thing, I think, um, unless you're really clear on what you don't want to have happen, um, you might you might end up there. So I think you've also got to be prepared um, to be mindful of the things that you're going to say no to. Um, as much as you might want the business and as much as you wish you'd um, you know um, you'd go that extra mile for someone, I would just be mindful of setting an expectation um that you you know that you you know in the long term you can't meet
0: yeah. i um one of the things i got taught was know your variables and our yeah. variables were given three three names um oh your are always at the, end the year, it's like what are your ods and es and i'd be like what what are your optimums your desirables and your essentials yeah and it's something that i still do for myself if i know i've got to have a conversation that I think is going to require flexibility on both parts. So Mm -hmm. I write down of this proposal, what is essential to make this work? Going back to the outcomes of of what the client has already said. So what are the essential elements? What are the desirable elements? So on top of the Mm -hmm. essentials, so I know what those are. And then um, what's the um, optimal? So often the optimal is the full proposal. I also within that, within my variables know What I can trade on, if that makes sense. Yeah. And therefore, I feel really comfortable if they said to me, well, of 10 workshops, we only want to do five. I then know because they've taken the number of workshops down, I would probably go, but then the price goes up because I've given you price on more workshops. But I've had to write that down. I can't hold that information in my head. So, one of the things yeah. I got taught is write everything down. Oh yeah. Have it written like the questions you want to ask your variables, um, information about the people like you just said, what am I saying no to? What am I saying yes to have That's it written it. down? Because yeah. even if you don't use it, it's a bloody good exercise
1: and oh, really you good. will use it because you're looking at it and it really it does yeah. help you. And it encourages you to slow down and, Um, you do feel it more, I'm actually putting something together for, for a client now. And, and it's, you know, it's as, you know, we, we go back to basics every time, you know, we put a spreadsheet together and it's okay. There's, you know, 10, 12 sort of steps, you know, or, or buckets and and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we just move the levers and move the dials on the, you know, on the mixing desk. Um, okay, well that, that's really important to us. Um, you know, if, you know. On, on the under the right circumstances that we could get X, maybe we can we can give something away here on Y, um, yeah, completely. I also think now that we've got the juices flowing, um if I think I can get it done in an hour, I give myself two. You know, I again I don't want to be the one that has time pressure owning their decision making. Mm. Um you know and um, that's always something that I encourage, particularly if you've had and often coaches, facilitators do a long, hard-fought journey to get to the decision-making desk, yeah. you know, or into that room or on that call. And, of course, the the idea, the higher you go, you know, the less time, face time you have, well, you know, carve it out uh, and, um, you know, again, take the opportunity to realize that um, if, you know, again, if you're not careful, everything can be a negotiation. Yeah. But if you want to put yourself in the best possible light give yourself the time in order to do that yeah Um, so i always encourage that Um, and Um, then ownership of the ownership of the outcome sorry of next steps you know you know be be, again nothing means anything without 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 that and knowing who's accountable for what
0: yeah and i'd also say coming out of those types of conversations and by the way you might not get this all sorted in one conversation you might need to oh yeah, yeah you might need to step away um two things go through my head one the time runs out so you hit pause but you need to summarize where you're at um or you might need to take a time out and that's okay to take a time out if you're in in the midst of of a negotiation and it feels like there's some things you need to reflect on you do not need to make a decision give them a yes or a no in the moment you can say to them i'm going to take that away and have a think about it it's a very useful i think tactic because you do not need to make the decision there and then as as nor do they Really Quite right,
1: you know. And ultimatums are, you know, a high risk. And to anyone out there who who feels that they're they're being um, dealt with in that fashion, um, do question the amount of effort and energy that you're going to put into the relationship in the next, you know, week, month, year. If yeah. if that sort of default setting is is being used, it's um, you know, that's that's a very tough, attritional way to, to do business with someone, yeah. and it's hard to feel secure um securing the relationship so just question that very act what
0: else can i be doing in my preparation so we said we get some questions written down we get an awareness of the people in the room we think about my the timeline we want to work to we've thought about our variables is there anything else that we need to
1: consider
0: before we go into a meeting
1: um i mean we've alluded to to um to it. Loosely, But I think one thing that negotiation is, you know, it is a ritual and it is about, for me, it's about three things. There's obviously the intellectual. And so, you know, that is your numbers. And you've talked about your planning, writing your numbers down and, you know, the movement, how you're going to move, how you're going to trade. Um, There is the emotional side of it, you know, no doubt. You know, even even if you're dealing with an organisation you perceive as as you know big behemoth, and you know you you've worked for one, and but it's 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 still two human beings having a conversation. So, um, you know, if the stakes are high, and and we're talking you know 100,000 plus in in contract fees, you know that's that's a decent chunk of change for anyone. So, um, you know, think about not only the most the best emotional state you want to be in, um, but also theirs. Um, as well how do we want them to be feeling by the the end of the the Mm. negotiation by the end of the conversation Um, because that the dynamic for a negotiator is you know that both parties maybe you know feel like they've they've got a good deal you know does it mean that they both feel you know they both have the same perspective on the deal no Um, but I think if you go into a mindset of wanting to sort of win the argument or win the conversation the danger is that well if if it's clear to them that you feel you've won. How can they feel good about what yeah. they're agreeing to at the same time? That's what I mean by emotion. Okay. Um, you know. Um, and then the third thing was, was sort of cultural, and there are some cultural things I would, I would consider. Um, and I think that that goes for corporates as well as whether you're dealing with a you know a, a business overseas or uh, you know an individual mm. where language isn't isn't English isn't their first language. Um, assuming that you know, yeah. it's um, it's a factor.
0: So you say negotiation is a ritual. There are three things: emotion and culture. I got what was the
1: first? Sorry, um, it's the intellectual. You know, so clearly it. You know, the the you know the market, um, and you know the the market and the macroeconomics of it. You know, they are what they are, and everyone has their perspectives on that. You know, and for me, of course, you've got to have your ducks in a row there, um, but as you and I know, people can in, to, can take data and interpret it to, in their favor. So you can only stick with what makes sense to you. Yeah. Uh, and that does lead into the emotional part about me trying not to win the argument. You've got your perspective on, you know, what number of workshops make sense, the capacity for, for delivery, you know, why in-person is better than virtual, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to, you shouldn't expect to win on every single point, but you do need to be able to robustly, uh, you know, Defend and explain yep. those figures if if needs be. Absolutely. So those are the, those are the three you know, sort of the three elements of in, of intellect that I'm I'm um, nice. of uh, yeah competency I'm referring to.
0: Thank you. And then the th- the other thing I'd say is before you go in, if you know it's going to be a negotiation, is practice. Like go and find someone oh, to yeah. do a, a dry run with. Like it really helps to practice these these conversations out aloud. Versus just internalizing them, because you can hear your own responses, feel your own emotional responses to the situation.
1: Yeah. So I think I think that's that's good. And even if you haven't got someone who can spare that time, even now, still before I will present um, now and again, um, it pays to record yourself. Uh, your cadence, you know. Oh my gosh, my my voice went up there a little, you know. And you just you'll see things on the screen. Um, after a while, you let let the recording go, and and you know as you're delivering, and and you can pick out yeah. things as well. That's um, uh, that's another one that, that absolutely works.
0: So a question I I have is um, uh, it'd be really I I find that I get nervous about these things because I don't have the right language. So yeah. I just wondered if there were any. Questions and statements that or language that you have noticed that people consistently use that so would be really useful for our listeners to have in their back pocket. I just wonder if we could come up with
1: some. Uh, you mean in as regards to how they frame their proposals?
0: Uh, like the questions they need to be asking as they go in, yep. how they frame the statement piece, if I the new, again, something that's in it yep. for us. Can we go through yeah. a couple of those. Let's do questions first. Any good questions that you would always recommend asking or using?
1: Um, one question that I ask, and and this is particularly again, depending on um, the size of the business or the person you may be dealing with an owner operator, um, or maybe it's someone in loan development or commercial, they'll all have a different perspective on what the priorities are for the business and so a question i always ask is you know where do you see this this fitting in the overall strategic picture for the business in 2024 yeah you know because there are in my view um, experience tells me there's sort of five layers of perspective on the return on investment you know and um, you've got to find out where you are in that pecking order you know are you are you you know, a business priority, um, which you know, which I would say is priority one. You know, are you a a regional strategic priority? You know, is it something that's really about performance, and that's and that's one level. Is it about learning, and it's a learning priority? You know, or is it about you know the um, the emotional state of the of the you know of the team of the individuals of the leaders of the management and and understand which buckets or how high up that Mm. hierarchy your your services feature because you know sometimes you're you're you can misplace your own we do i mean we you know our level of importance you know if it's if you're at tier three which is performance then great you know but that still may mean that in a calendar year or in in terms of priority, you know, they're going to get to you late on in a year or it still might be in the maybe bucket um, because there are other things that are more pressing in their yeah. minds. Um, so um, without over elaborating on that, you know, that kind of that question, of where, so. you know, where are we in terms of a priority? That's always a good question. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do think is always worth um, asking is, how have you arrived at the decision that there is a need for this solution and the reason that you want to ask that is um, there are those individuals who love um all sorts of learning development and are uh, will soak up any opportunity that you're bringing to them as a facilitator or as a coach and and will dive into the workshop and be engaged you know there are the vast majority who are probably somewhere in between don't want to be here and super keen. Um, and then there are those that, you know, I'm, I've been doing this 20 years, like why do I need to think about listening again? And you want to get a sense check of of whether the person you're speaking with has decided that it's going to happen to the team and to the workforce, irrespective of their feelings about it, um, or they've been given permission and have been allowed to implement this solution yeah. on their team nice. and you've got two very, you know, you've got the different mindsets and it helps you as a coach facilitator. Not only is that a point of, of leverage for the negotiation, um, but also you can better manage
0: yeah.
1: the outcomes, the situation. If you, the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Uh, third one. Let's do a third, a
1: third question that you find. Useful. A third question. Um, so, uh Begin with the end in mind. So if if we were to have a very successful implementation and embedding of what we're going to put together, could you describe that for me, please?
0: And would you be asking these questions? Because they're the sort of questions that I ask in the pre-pre-pre-sell even, and I'm asking that. Do you sometimes bring this back in if we're going into the negotiation to reset the arena?
1: I do. Depending on the level of time that's that's – Past from what you've mentioned to being where we are now, certainly, um, I I would do um, if there's extra players that have come into the you know stakeholders have come into mm-hmm. the the arena, the budgets changed, um, but I for me it never ever it's never ever hurt the situation to restate that because I think also a lot of assumptions can be made you know from one week to the next, nice. um, um, and that way also just as you're about to dive into the negotiation proper. Let's make sure that the goalposts haven't moved for whatever reason.
0: And and that actually makes me then think of another piece of language um when you're going into the negotiation as well is let's summarise where we're at. So you, the yeah. use of summaries. So and but using language like so my understanding of where we are at right now is and then I would have a list. I'd be really curious to hear your understanding of where we are at right now so everyone has equal opportunity no assumptions are being made but we all get to state where we are at
1: yeah and i I think that that allows for clarity on both sides you know what you're looking for you know in the um sort of example we've been using is that you know purchasing summarise where they're at, you know, yeah. you're not trying to win the argument, you summarise where you're at. Okay, where are we aligned? Great. Yeah. And then where are we apart? And with those variables, can we go back and forth to to close that close that gap to, to become yeah. aligned? Or do we need an extra element to come in here, you know, to sweeten the deal and make it make it happen? Nice. Um, Love this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next bit I just want to do is some of the this... Sure uh, the statement language that potentially we would comfortably use it, as you've moved through the, the conversations, we've done the questions, we've done some mm. understanding I'm here, you're there. We've, we've identified the three things that need to be worked upon. And this is now the time I think where you put your cards on the table and you go, so what kind of language can we use?
1: Um, the, the language that I find works best is to is to make the the it's almost an assumptive statement that you're looking for affirmation for. Okay. So, for example, so what I've heard. So what I've heard we are, we are going to do. Is A, B, C and D. Yeah. And do th- again, if you're particularly attuned to it, you know, what does help to connect is. Use language back to them. Okay, so what I've heard there is that you feel and we feel that A, B, C, and D is the way to go.
0: So using their language is really important yeah. as well, their words. Yeah. I'm also hearing the word we. So, yeah, yeah, a definitely jointness, but also take ownership for when it's like, I have heard that we will. So I think that's important versus just straight, so we've agreed we're going to do this maybe yeah. we haven't but this is what i have heard okay mark one final tip for the team what what else would you suggest
1: yeah i think the last one and this is for the solopreneurs out there or you know facilitators and maybe you know it's their own business and they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting um, do consider for particularly those bigger negotiations um whether you want to bring a, a partner in to Um, you know, a a buddy into the negotiation, maybe they're just taking the notes and doing nothing else, Um, you know, obviously making sure that the other party is comfortable with that or, you know, explaining it beforehand so that it doesn't come as a surprise. But I think even just being able to offload one bit of, you know, cognition to somebody else um, can really help with not only confidence, but also you've got another set of eyes um, and ears to help you really gather Uh, as good a perspective as possible on on what's going on and then obviously afterwards like well what just happened
0: and some people might be sitting there now going yeah but I use an AI tool to like write things down and to to notice but I think there is something about having a human in that space with you that just helps I've actually done one a negotiation before where I have my wonderful business wife Sean, and she was sitting off camera and she was almost like metaphorically holding my hands, but she was just in my energy space, which really helped me because um, we'd practiced the mm. conversation beforehand, but she just sat there to do exactly that, by the way, to listen to everything, not to contribute. That's why she was off camera, but it was just super helpful for me. But she picked up things and every now and then, admittedly she would send me a little post-it note across the table, but that was, that helped me. That really, she's, she's a pro. She is a negotiator. That is her. One of her sweet spots. She's an ex-commercial director, so I tr- I yeah, her Yeah, that's to be great,
1: there. That, and exactly that. And, and sometimes people who are completely removed from the stakes emotionally, as well. You know, yeah. someone commercially astute like that is, is fantastic, but mm-hmm. also just emotionally, you know, kind of removed. Um, but I think Ooh. I think the last thing the last Ooh. thing I would say, and I, this, it did pop into my head, you know, sometimes to sense check where people are and if they're on the same page, you know, you might want to ask, you know, well, um, have we given up on this as an idea, you know, and you know, it's a yes or no, you know, obviously what you're looking for is a no if it's important to you, but I think it's another way of of offering a binary. Yes, no, in the right circumstances. Yeah. You know, some people say closed questions can be dangerous, but in the right circumstance, you want to know one way or the other yeah. whether it's going to happen. And I think sometimes a binary question is helpful.
0: Yes, I, on, on, on the subject of closed questions, I think they can be used, when they're used intentionally, um, they can be used really well, but they need yeah. to be intentional rather than just part of your everyday lexicon.
1: Yeah, yeah, use sparingly.
0: Yeah, but we can go on another subject altogether. Um, Mark, thank you for today. Now, before you go, pleasure. I do some quick fire questions to my guests, and I've got, some, I've got some for you. Okay, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's starting out in their business, just then coming into this world of facilitation and training, any advice?
1: Spend more time than you think you should focusing on the purity of your expertise.
0: Whoa,
1: what does that mean to you? Uh, From my own experience, I think there's so much noise out there. And by that, I mean, socials and attention for eyeballs. I went away for a couple of years, um, some by design, some intentionally, but over that time worked on, you know, if I'm coming back into the marketplace, I've got to have a really clear message And I don't mean marketing. I just mean conversations, you know, where people, well, why you as opposed to somebody else? Okay. And I I think there's just, you know, do your best not to be derivative. Focus on the purity of your expertise and allow that to stand out and do the work for you.
0: Nice. Uh, Who do you follow in social media land that you
1: think others should too? Uh, David Goggins I follow. Um, on insta um he's a certain flavor Mm -hmm. um that um i think is great i mean he's you know not without his his controversy but i think he he's that sort of marmite either people love him or they just think he's absolutely crazy so dave goggins is a former navy seal and he is how would i describe him he's just someone who focuses through his actions, as well as his words on overcoming, of, of basically overcoming what your mind tells you are the limits of capability. Okay, right. you know, he went from being sort of overweight, you know, you know, ice cream, lethargic to, you know, ultra marathons, you know, has, you know, represented the Rangers Navy SEAL. And he's, you know, he, he's just a character. He's on um, Instagram. He's got millions of followers. and I don't think he follows anyone. I think he's got zero people that he follows himself so he's out there very extreme um but um if nothing else he's entertaining um, so i'd recommend that bit left Uh, field but
0: like it no um any book that you recommend at this time or podcast book um
1: book um gosh um i tell you the 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 podcast that i um I listen to that um, I do enjoy Diary of a CEO, um, Stephen Bartlett. Um, cool. That's really good. Um, and actually books. I'm thinking I've got some here. Um, oh, um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, um, Outliers. Um, love, 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 love yeah. his
0: books. If you've yeah, never he, discovered he's... Malcolm Gladwell, I'd just say all his books. Tipping Point, Outliers. Oh, my yeah. gosh! what were the other ones they I've always learned something when I read those, and I read those a lot when I first started out. It just gave me some ideas and just some perspective. Um, yeah. final question uh, how have you invested either in yourself or your business to help you move forward?
1: I have made it a priority to make time for um my own physical health and you know, mental health. So, mm. um, you know, I will, I will get outside and I will run, uh, you know, or do some exercise of some kind like mm. every, you know, every single day. Yeah. Um, because I think it can be a very lonely place. Um, so, you know, I, I get my, my hit in by you know, getting away from screens and, you know, as you know, Kirsty like consistency is key and it's just, you know, if I could, I'm sure most people, if, if, you know, if you're going to go down this road and do it, it, it does take, it does take every sinew. Yeah. Um, so um, I've prioritized, you know, that time where I completely disconnect and it, and it's non-negotiable. Talking about those non-negotiables, um, that's one of those things that I've, yeah. I've just been kinder to myself about about uh, about doing.
0: Mark, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And if people want to find you,
1: how do they find you? Where do they find you? How do they find me? Uh, LinkedIn is the, where I, I tend to make most noise. Um, and the URL, it's um, forward slash uh, culture navigator on LinkedIn. Um, that would be the best place to find me okay. um, and cool. uh, go from there. But uh, I'm always around. And because it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. You know, I'm loving what you're doing as well. It's great. I, uh, um, I do love the pod. Um, Thanks, mate. It's coming out nicely.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Alrighty.
1: I'll see you see soon. You again. Bye. Okay. bye. Bye, bye.